It's Wednesday, February the 3rd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Bezos to step down and Navalny to stay locked up. First, the world in brief. Jeff Bezos announced he would step down as Amazon's CEO this summer and become executive chair of the company's board. In a letter to employees, he said he wanted to focus on new products and early initiatives. Andy Jassy, who has worked at Amazon since 1997 and currently runs Amazon World Services, the company's cloud computing business, will replace him. A judge in Moscow ruled that Alexei Navalny, Russia's leading opposition figure, violated the terms of a suspended sentence from 2014 and ordered him to serve another two years and eight months in prison. Mr Navalny's transgression was to fail to return immediately to Russia from Germany, where he had been lying comatose after a nerve agent attack. Pro-Navalny demonstrators took to the streets, where reportedly more than a thousand were arrested. Late-stage trials show that Sputnik V, a Russian COVID-19 vaccine, has an efficacy rate of 92%. The jab was rolled out before testing finished, which provoked scepticism about its safety. Meanwhile, Sweden joined several European countries in refusing to recommend the vaccine made by AstraZeneca and Oxford University for those aged over 65, citing a lack of data about its efficacy in older age groups. Italy's president asked Mario Draghi, a former head of the European Central Bank, to try forming a national unity government. Giuseppe Conte, who resigned as prime minister last month, was unable to muster a new coalition. The one he led collapsed after Matteo Renzi, a former prime minister, withdrew his Italia Viva party over disagreements about how to spend relief funds. Both houses of Brazil's legislature elected speakers endorsed by Jair Bolsonaro, the president. The appointments may thwart efforts to impeach him over his handling of COVID-19, which has killed 224,000 Brazilians. But they come with an ideological price. Mr Bolsonaro is now aligned with politicians he once accused of corruption and vowed never to work with. ExxonMobil reported an annual loss of $22.4 billion in 2020. BP, another oil giant, reported an underlying loss of $5.7 billion as COVID-19 restrictions lowered global demand for crude oil. On Friday, Chevron, another oil firm, announced an annual loss of $5.5 billion. BP predicted a difficult start to 2021 as travel restrictions continued to depress demand for oil worldwide. And Tesla, an electric car manufacturer, announced it will recall almost 135,000 vehicles in America after a regulator concluded that the touchscreen systems in certain models were unsafe. Tesla's founder, Elon Musk, faced unrelated frustration at SpaceX, another of his projects. Its newest rocket, Starship SN9, blasted off to reach an altitude of 10 kilometers, but then exploded when it tried to land. And now here's today's agenda. Sickened by sickness. Democracy. The pandemic has led to a loss not only of life and livelihood, but also of political liberty. The latest Democracy Index, published by the Economist Intelligence Unit, The Economist's sister company, showed democratic freedoms fell in 116 out of 167 countries in 2020. Many people accept that preventing catastrophic loss of life justified a temporary loss of freedom. Still, countries that withdrew civil liberties, eschewed scrutiny of emergency powers or denied freedom of expression were penalised by the index, pushing its global average to an all-time low. America, partly as a result of the widespread refusal to accept election results, remained a flawed democracy. Japan, South Korea and Taiwan became full democracies, while France and Portugal lost that status. 
In Eastern Europe and Latin America, the pandemic compounded existing democratic flaws. But Africa and the Middle East had the worst year. For autocratic leaders, the pandemic was a convenient excuse to cement power and eliminate dissent. Seeing Pink Elephants The GOP Meets Two meetings among Republicans in America's House of Representatives today illustrate the depths of populist extremism and delusion to which the party has sunk. Heading the agenda are controversies surrounding Liz Cheney and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Ms Cheney, the third highest ranking House Republican, enraged many colleagues by voting to impeach Donald Trump for inciting an insurrection. Ms Green, a rookie congresswoman recently promoted to the House Education Committee, is a hate-mongering conspiracy theorist who said black people are held slaves to the Democratic Party, questioned the reality of the 9-11 attacks, and blamed Californian wildfires on giant space lasers. This has upset Democrats and some Republican senators. Yet Ms Green claims Mr Trump's backing, and Kevin McCarthy, the House Republican leader, fears him more than celestial laser beams. Even if Ms Cheney keeps her leadership position and Ms Green is rebuked but modestly, the controversy shows Republicans are hardly ready for a post-Trump reckoning. Decisions, Decisions America's Supreme Court Today the Supreme Court interrupts its holiday, an unusual occurrence, to issue one or more rulings in pending matters. 25 cases have been argued and await resolution. These include Fulton v City of Philadelphia, which pits religious liberty against LGBT rights. When Philadelphia stopped referring children to a Catholic foster agency because it did not place children with same-sex couples against the city's anti-discrimination rules, the agency claimed its First Amendment rights had been violated. California v Texas represents a challenge to the constitutionality of the Affordable Care Act, one that did not seem to persuade a majority of the justices when heard in November. With President Joe Biden set to reopen enrolment for ACA plans on February 15th, it could be an opportune moment to clarify the status of the law. The justices may also want to close the book on another Trump-era dispute, the Manhattan District Attorney's quest to examine eight years of Mr Trump's financial records. Odd countries out. Swiss shares in London. Switzerland has long had a strained relationship with its neighbour on all sides, the European Union. Guarding its independence jealously, it is largely a part of the single market for goods, but not services. Now, it has a fellow traveller in Britain, whose Brexit deal left its hefty financial sector's relationship with the EU mostly unresolved. This week, the two countries deepen their ties. Shares in Swiss companies will soon be traded on British exchanges. This partially reverses a Swiss decision in 2019 to pull out of EU stock exchanges, which, at the time, included London's, after Brussels pulled its own shares off Switzerland's. Before it withdrew, Swiss shares accounted for £1.2 billion, $1.6 billion in daily trades, so the deal could help London's exchanges increase their volumes. But that will hardly compensate for the £5.7 billion in European share trading lost each day by British exchanges since the Brexit transition period came to an end. Radio Check Qualcomm Today, Qualcomm, an American chipmaker, will report its first quarter results. Markets have high expectations for several reasons. Semiconductor firms have had a good year in general, as locked-down consumers spent more time on their gadgets. Qualcomm, which makes the radio chips used by smartphones, is well-placed to benefit from fast-growing sales of 5G handsets. And on November 14th, it won permission from America's government to restart sales to Huawei, a Chinese smartphone firm suffering American export restrictions. Qualcomm has enjoyed a run of good news lately. 
In 2019, it announced a surprise settlement with Apple, ending a long-running fight over licensing terms for its radio chips. In August, an American court overturned an earlier judgment, finding it guilty of anti-competitive practices. But the firm remains unpopular with many of its customers. Shortly after settling its lawsuits, Apple bought Intel's 5G chip business for $1 billion. It is unlikely to remain Qualcomm's customer for long. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Simone Weil, who was born on this day in 1909. Whenever one tries to suppress doubt, there is tyranny. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.